go. Welcome to the Hillbilly and the Hipster. My name is Chad McCool. And join with me as always in studio is my brother from another mother, Andy Crow. Andy, how are you? <laughs> oh, that was too good. Why did I start at five? I never started at five. And <laughs> What's going on in Kentucky, Andy? Should we start again? I don't, I don't know why that was that funny to me, but it sure was. What's up, my man? Uh, Kentucky is a little drizzly right now. It's a little rainy. It's a little rainy. But uh, we're, we're surviving. It's been a long week. Happy to report that the oldest, his baseball season, uh, it started off rough. There were some meltdowns. There was a benching that took place. Uh, there were three games that were lost. But uh, as of last night, we have won two in a row. I say we like I, you know, I play. No, my, my oldest team has won two in a row. And then when somebody asked me my thoughts on it, I went straight Lou Brown. When I was like, we won yesterday. We won two today. One more, and that's a winning streak. But then nobody got my reference, and it made me sad, and I realized I was old. Well, but yeah. if, if you need to get cheered up, you're not as old as me, so you've got that going for you. Nailed it. No, but other than that, man, like we're just we're running. It's that time of year. You know, it's fun watching the the kids. Um, Turner actually, did I tell you about him getting just barreled over at first base? No. Oh, so fun story. Um, my kid may have a concussion that I didn't find about till the day after. So he's playing first base. Not his normal position, but he plays a good first base. And, you know, he's he's short, but he's solid, right? And uh, so he goes a little too far to the right to backhand a ground ball, realizing I can't throw it to anybody because the pitcher is not covering first base. Because, you know, they're, they're in Little League. They don't always understand the secondary of the position. Which is fine. And so he takes off running like the Mad Hatter. And the kid that's coming barreling down the first baseline, he's probably the same thickness of Turner, but maybe two or three inches taller. So he's a big boy, too. And then it's like the immovable force hits the, you know, the unstoppable object. And they collide. The one kid flies backwards. Turner flies forwards and then goes face first into the dirt. And uh, one of his teammates was like, he's dead. And then he laid there and cried because, shoot, I would have too, man. That was He hit hard. But then this morning, he's like, my head hurts. And then we look, and he's got this big goose egg on the side of his head. And it's like, well, probably, probably should have checked that out last night. Whoops. Parenting 101, folks. Parenting. 101. But if you would have seen it, you would have laughed like I did. So I think that's a dad thing, though. Right? When you you see somebody get hurt and you know what hurts, but still you have this uncontrollable like desire to laugh. No, I, I think that's a total depravity thing. 
Either way, I laughed. Now, I checked on him immediately. Um, but then I laughed some more. And he did too, eventually. Like, he tells the fun, the story is pretty funny. Anyway, off of my, my kid's baseball team. Uh, what's going on with you? Anything new? No, it's been a, it's been a long, it's been, it feels like it's been a long week. Just, uh, ministry stuff and, you know, um, I think one, it's been that, that week of ups and downs, but I think one of the wins has been, uh, a young man that I've been ministering to for well over a year now, almost a year and a half, um, finally was receptive to hear the gospel. And so, you know, I've given it to him before, but he really listened this time. And I'm just praying that he's got definitely some, some things going on in his life and he's dabbled in, you know, what I would call mysticism or even occultish things. And uh, just praying that, that, God's moving in his life, that's for sure. I can see it and just praying that the spirit moves and brings him, you know, brings him home. No, that, that's uh, that's awesome. Something that, that, you know, we've talked about before. So, you know, we're definitely praying for it. And that could be a, a major step. So yeah, like otherwise, good stuff. tonight um, I'm sitting in my backyard here in East San Francisco. So, Hopefully, I won't hear gunshots and have to go get my own or run and hide. But um, so yeah, if you if you hear a thud, and uh, I'll just I'll just keep it going. You come back when you can. That's right. That's right. So, Andy, before we get started today, I thought you know um, something happened today. Right, today is a sort of an obscure holiday the the national day of prayer right? bum, 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 bum. a day that's weird right i think for me i, I maybe we've been to some some national day of prayer observances that have been a lot of um love it or leave it types which there was a time in my life that that bugged me um or you know i've been to a couple in the last few years where it was led by gentlemen in red baseball caps calling for their MAGA caps. <laughs> that know, took me a second. That took me a second. But I, I think it's a good thing for us to gather as a nation to pray. And, you know, National Day of Prayer has been observed, I think, since the early 1950s when Harry S. Truman signed the bill into law that I think designated it's the first Thursday in May as a, a day of national prayer with the purpose being to bring, right. To bring people together from all walks of life, from all tribes and denominations to pray for the nation and its leaders. And I think it didn't really become official till the eighties with Ronald Reagan, but um, it has its origins back to the fifties. But oh, before absolutely. we, before we talk about that, let's, uh, let's talk about some blacksmith merchandise. Not a power. Um, the blacksmith merchandise. So St. Galgano's Armory is the premier destination for handcrafted and blacksmith merchandise. Not apparel. Merchandise. They use traditional techniques to create unique and stunning pieces 
each one embedded with the spirit of St. Galgano himself. Each item is a work of art crafted with care and attention to detail. St. Galgano Armory believes that the quality and authenticity are paramount. That's why they only use the finest materials and take pride in their commitment to the traditional craftsmanship. The products are not only beautiful, but they are also functional. St. Galgano's Armory has you covered for everything. A portion of all sales goes to the Coalition to Abolish Slavery and Trafficking. So why settle for generic, mass-produced items when you can own something that is hand-forged and unique and can also help end human trafficking? It's a win-win, folks. Amen. So you can visit their Etsy shop at etsy.com slash shop slash St. Gagano Armory. Visit that site today. Browse their selection of handcrafted blacksmith merchandise. Again, I can't stress it enough, Keith. It is merchandise, not apparel. And don't forget to check them out on social media at, at St. Galgano. Yeah, They're doing good both, work. We both we both have some pieces from them. I've got a bottle opener that I, I absolutely love. I, I purchased a bottle opener for a friend of mine, Alex, and I'm a little jealous that I didn't choose his bottle opener when I chose mine. But I'm going to have to get another bottle opener. Yeah, no, the hooks, the hooks are sturdy, dude. I like those. I'm still waiting to reschedule my knife-making adventure. Oh, so I'm be jealous. I haven't rescheduled that. You know, we may go to the Huddle House after that, too, just to really throw in the jealousy. <laughs> you, you go to the Spurgeon Library. Library? Where am I from? The Spurgeon Library. Uh, and then I go make a knife. Like, <laughs> now we're both jealous. Well, wait, you already made me jealous by taking that private tour in the Louisville Slugger Museum. So I think we're well, now uh, we're I'm even one now, one. sir. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe we'll hold off then. We'll, you know, when you come out, we'll we'll do it. Yeah, I'll just have to figure one way to, to one-up you. <laughs> nope, I like my idea better. I'll have to... I'll just take selfies. <laughs> It'll be I'll take selfies of me and Bryce in New Orleans at the SBC. Man, <laughs> me and Bryce in the French Quarter. Can I just? Can I? I, I don't. I, oh man, there's so much in that that I have thoughts on. I just think that's an odd place to have the convention is New Orleans. Is it a big city? Yes. Is it touristy? Yes. It, I'm going to make some people mad, okay? I'm just going to say it. Does it have a demonic feel to that area? Absolutely. Also, yes. So, so I'll say do this. They, do they need Jesus? Absolutely. Everybody needs some Jesus. But I don't know if that's the first place I pick for the convention if I am the convention designer people. No, I, I agree with you. And I think they try to do it in regions of the country. Um, I think that, if I'm not mistaken, the last couple they've had to end up moving because they've been bigger. But this is the thing. They always say that they're bigger than they, they anticipated, so they have to move cities. But, I mean, I, I just saw that when you know Charles Stanley died uh, a week or two ago, and Charles Stanley was a two-time president of the SBC, and he presided, he presided over the largest SBC conventions in history. 
and they were over 40,000. 40, four zero. We're expecting like 15 to 18 in New Orleans. So I'll just, just let that sink in for a second. But I think that... To, I got thoughts the, on that too, but... In the SBC's defense, I think that, you know, in a city like New Orleans and Anaheim last year, um, you know, the week before, at least a few days before it starts, they definitely do a, a huge evangelistic campaign in that city. So, you know, and I, I don't know if... I know Greg Laurie traditionally has had one of his... Uh, Harvest Crusades usually in a in a baseball stadium in a city where the you know or at least in a stadium where the city like last year was an Angel Stadium where he had the big you know sort of Billy Graham esque kind of evangelistic service. So I, I don't know if that's going to occur this year in New Orleans, um, but I do know that the SBC is doing the you know they're hitting the streets. There are churches and missionaries who are hitting the streets about the week before to go you know kind of spread the gospel throughout New Orleans and New Orleans okay. is definitely a city that needs the gospel. Oh, absolutely they are. I'll say this though, back, talking about the Billy Graham crusades, I know some people that are totally against big evangelistic events like that because they don't they don't think it's right and not how it should be shared. Because sure. And then in my head, I'm like, so there's a cap on how many people can hear the gospel message. But anyway, that's my opinion. But I think those type of things are something that needs to come back. Yeah, I think they're good. I mean, I think about the early church. That can't, right? that can't be the only thing that people have. Absolutely. Right? I, you know, they need to get plugged into a local church. They need to get plugged into a small group. They need to have people that they can count on and that can pour into them and they can pour into their friends. But, I mean, I think there's... And, and so I, I look at Winter Jam, you know, that concert that mm -hmm. that uh, New Song puts on every year and they have all the different... Like, I've taken my youth group to that. This is the first year I haven't gone in probably 12 years. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, I'm not actively serving as a youth pastor. Sad day. But... But, you know, there's always the talk of, well, it's emotionally manipulative. They've got, you know, the lights are down and, and the song and they're just tugging on the heartstrings. It can okay. be, sure. So, so we'll set, let me give you the benefit of that. Sure, maybe that's happening. But also, maybe that is the spirit tugging on their heartstrings. Absolutely. Right? And I'll say this. I, two, years, two years ago, I went... And, you know, you've been in the room when I've taught on a normal youth youth group. Like, I didn't run youth group like a normal youth pastor. It wasn't, no. you know, an hour of games and a 15-minute sermonette. No, we're was, very, we, we were very similar in that when I was a youth pastor. It was a 15-minute free time and then a 45-minute to an hour sermon. Mm -hmm. Right? Verse by verse throughout the scripture. And so, and I've been, I've been hammering the gospel and hammering it and hammering it. And I had had kids like that are fighting, not making a profession. Right. And so I think, and then we went to, and I'm trying to think of who the main act that year was, because I wasn't looking forward to it. Um, but it wasn't bad actually, but that's neither here nor there. 
No, the last but, one you uh, went to had a pretty good lineup. <coughs> if I remember. No. It well, it was two years ago, so whatever. Maybe they did have a decent lineup. But uh, you know, I've been hammering on these kids and you know, they've been fighting and then all of a sudden, you know, this the the speaker Was that uh, Shane Pruitt? Pruitt? Shane Pruitt comes out, shares the gospel gives the altar call and you know he's like I had every head you know the every head about it and everybody does it but then you have the youth pastors that are like got that one eye open trying to see oh, yeah. their kids. You're looking at and your kids. And so I took I took ten kids. Right? I had a small youth group, right? But I took ten kids uh to this event and six of them accepted Christ. Yeah. Like I I opened my eye and then I see six of my kids and like I'm a weeping like uncontrollably ugly weeping, right? And yeah. I remember talking to, to Shane Pruitt because um, I had I had talked to him when I was there, and then we had DM'd back and forth on the Twitter um, about just you know there are people that are against those altar calls. Um, they can have those opinions. It's okay to be wrong, but I, you know I just I can't think things like that enough. Because sometimes it takes hearing something presented slightly different from somebody else, right? You hear it from me all the time. Absolutely. Sometimes you need that extra person to come in, mm-hmm. and maybe you're saying the same thing, but like you're zigging instead of zagging, right? You're you're presenting it in a different way. Absolutely, you need that. And so these these crusades, and I think really new song, not new song, uh, Winter Jam is kind of like the crusades for. For teenagers. Now, it's not just teenagers. There are, you know, adults that go with just adult groups, and that's fine. To see the concerts. Yeah. Go. They're good concerts for what you pay $10 at the door, and you get to see 12 acts of all genres. Like, I'm in. But I just think that is the closest thing to the Billy Graham Crusades that we have right now, and it's geared for family and teens. Yeah. And for kids, definitely. It, it, we we need that. We need more of it. I think Greg Glory's definitely taking it up the traditional way that Billy Graham did it. Like he's doing the big stadiums, right? Filling stadiums with tens of thousands. And, and I'm gonna and it. I'm gonna botch this, but I, I know I heard Greg Glory once say, you know, they may have, you know, uh, one stadium is they were probably packed thirty, thirty, forty thousand, and maybe had a few thousand who came to the altar call. And he said it's virtually impossible for them to maintain follow-up, right? They're in a city that his church isn't based out of it, and they try to follow up with some folks. So you really just pray that the Spirit moves those folks to to hear what's been told and go to a local church to be fed and be discipled and not fall Well, it's apart. like uh, sports world. You know who I'm talking about? No. They take the athletes to the school. You remember they would, they would go to different areas, and then so they would come to Terre Haute. Oh yes, I know what you're talking about. And so we'd have the athletes come in and do the, the, uh, the assembly on you know don't have sex, don't do drugs. Oh, you know I was doing those things, and Jesus delivered your or you know something, and they would work Jesus into it. Um, but they would bring in the youth pastors because. Sports world can't follow up with everybody. And so 
they'd give these kids these response cards. And if they wanted to fill it out, they'd fill it out. And then after yes. each assembly, the youth pastors would gather in a room with that athlete um, and the school guidance counselor. And we would go through those cards. And if there was something like, you know, that needed to be addressed by a guidance counselor, we shared that information with the guidance counselor right then. And if there was like professions or, you know, I would love to get associated with a youth group, something like that, depending on where they lived, we would give it. it and we literally, all the youth pastors in the area worked together. Like, so if, if I was there, and another youth pastor wasn't, but they don't live in, you know, close proximity to my church, but they live closer to this other one. Like, I'm calling that other youth pastor. Yeah, I'm like, hey, here's sure. this kid's information. You need to reach out to them. And so we would we would do the follow-up for Sports World, which is yeah, exactly I think, how I think it should be. And, and I think that this is a time, right, when you think about something like the National Day of Prayer, and it seemed to have been – I mean, I'll just admit it. It seems in some places in the country, I think it's still a big deal. Um, it, it seemed to be where I'm at. It definitely was a little bit quieter um, this year than at most. But I, I think when you look at something like the National Day of Prayer, right, we need to remember that that prayer, prayer is not just a nice thing to do, right? It isn't just a, a oh, yeah, I'll pray for you, right? It's not just a nice thing to do, right? Prayer, prayer is a, ne- is a necessity, um, Absolutely, it is. And I, so, Bob Weeks, I, I remember that I have so many fond memories of that man. But the one, th- one of the things that I remember most fondly about him is uh, he was he was the interim pastor at my church when my grandmother died. Okay, my grandmother was my person, super close to her, um, and it hit me real hard. And so, I remember calling him. And going, hey, I won't be at church. Um, you know, Memo died. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm struggling. My family's struggling. If you could please pray for us. And, you know, I expected the same response that everybody gives. Like, I call you and I'm like, hey, Chad, I need you to pray for this. Oh, sure, yeah, I'll pray for it. But Bob was different. And we do this for each other now. Like, Bob was different because he, I would ask him, hey, could you pray for us? Memo died. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what I'm doing. My family's lost. Like, we just need some prayer. And he's like, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for you multiple times. Like, I'll just add you to my list. But let me pray for you right now. Absolutely. And then right there, it, we could have been in the middle of Walmart. We happened to be on the phone because I was in a different town. It doesn't matter where you are. It. I've seen him do it at the grocery store. You know, I've seen him do it as people are like exiting, you know, through the progressional line at church. Mm-hmm. And so people are shaking his hand, saying bye. And like the line is now held up because he's praying for people. Absolutely. There, I think so we, I love it. we have to. Like for me, for me, if you need me to pray for you and whether we're on the phone or we're in person and whether we are at the checkout line at Walmart or at the movie theater, wherever it is, I'm going to pray for you. Now I'm going to pray for you multiple times but I'm going to pray for you because I'm going to forget. Absolutely. And it's not because I don't want to pray for you. No, I'm human. But like, you look at everything that goes on in our lives in a day, you're bound to forget. And like, I may remember two or three days later, and I'm going to pray for you then too. Mm-hmm. But it's important that when somebody's like, hey, pray for me about this, like, just do it right then. Yeah. And, and you know, we're, 
we are living in a time that in, 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 in our lifetime, we're living in a time where our nation, right, the United States, is in need of prayer more than ever before. And I know that's a controversial statement for some, but we are, in my lifetime, right, I'm just going to say it, like, this is the closest, we are Sodom and Gomorrah. And so when is it going to be sent down the ashes, right? But, I mean, our nation needs prayer more than ever before, right? The world is in turmoil. Um, and I mean, I, obviously every day we need this, but it seems it, it should be more and more on our conscience that we need the wisdom and guidance that only, only God could provide. And I think that if it's, a, we do. if it's a day to get people kickstarted, you know, I, I have a prayer meeting. We have a prayer meeting at my church that a, a church member leads. Um, sometimes it's just me and her, a few people come, but you know, putting it out there about the national day of prayer. It was the biggest I've seen since I've been pastor at this church. We had about, I think 10 or 12 people just to come and pray. We had, we had a big event in our, uh, at the courthouse. Mm. Um, I don't know how many people went. I planned on going and then everything kind of went hectic in my, my office. So I didn't get a chance to go. Oh Lord, I miss living in the Midwest or the South where you can do those things civically. <laughs> you know, a government, you know, I think about uh, CU at the poll. I remember when I was a youth pastor in East Texas leading an adult CU at the poll at the public library that same morning when I had visited like two or three schools in the school district, gone to a public library and had one for adults and, and even the mayor was there. Um, but I, I do miss that sort of that beauty of the Midwest and the South where you can do these at, at civic buildings and civic organizations, government, even government org- organizations. I think one of the coolest things, so I've always done see you at the poll at middle schools and high schools. I think one of the sweetest things I've seen in my Christian, my Christian walk is this past year when my boy's school, um, one is in grade, they're, they're both in grade school, one's in kindergarten, one's in third grade this year. Um, they sent home a paper you had to have a permission slip signed, but the school, the grade school, did see you at the poll, and it was all student led. Amen. And so, parents were encouraged to come to like chaperone it, I guess, if you will, that are kind of like help because somebody's going to have questions. And so, teachers, it's hard for them to distinguish teacher from church and state, unfortunately. Um, and so I remember standing there and there were kids walking up to the mic and not scripted prayers, right? Parents, they had pre, pre, preordained, let's go straight, you know, Calvinistic, preordained these kids to pray, but they also opened it up to other people. But they're like, you know, hey, who wants to pray for this? Nobody raised their hand. So, hey, little Susie, come up and pray for this. Or, hey, yeah. Billy, come pray. And, and they would off the cuff. And then a dad brought a guitar and we sang praise music Amen. right outside where the buses drop off. Yeah. And it was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. And I've experienced you at the poll very similar way in, in East Texas. But then I've also here in Colorado um, been to a CU at the poll where I just stood with two kids from my youth group 
And I just stood with them and they prayed. And it's still a student led. It was them. No other kids mm-hmm. came, but it was them faithful. And and so both of those experiences for me are are equally beautiful in different ways. Oh, because absolutely. I was, really, I was really proud of those kids to persevere, to dig in. And and you know, at my church, we've been going through the book of Daniel, and I've I've really had this charge through most of the weeks, um, challenging the flock to dare to be like Daniel. And I think about, you know, let, just last Sunday, we went through the first half of Daniel nine and, and in Daniel nine, right. Daniel has this prayer. It's this example of prayer that I think is the perfect national day of prayer, prayer, right. Because Daniel focuses on, on repentance first and foremost, right. He, he focuses on rep- repentance and seeking God's mercy and Daniel, like he recognizes not only his own sins, but the sins of his people, right? The sins of his nation and acknowledges that, that they've rebelled against God's commands. And, and, and he also acknowledges that, that God is merciful, right? God's, God's a God of mercy and compassion and that he hears the prayers of his people. Like those, those prayers and those cries, those laments, those petitions, they are not in vain. And, and I think that Daniel's prayer in Daniel nine is it, that is the kind of prayer that, that we should be praying regularly, you know, for our cities, for our towns, for our States, for our nation, because we, we finally, like we have to step up and be honest about our sins and the sins of our country. And we need to acknowledge that. Yes, we have turned away from God's commands and we desperately need his mercy and forgiveness. Remembering, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, I was just gonna say, remembering at the same time that that God is faithful and He hears those prayers. I think it's hard for some of us, um, for different reasons, but like, I think there's a, a sect of Christianity, um, sect may be a bad word, maybe it's not, I don't know, but there's a, a sect of Christianity. A trend, a trend. That, that isn't so much worried about sin. It's not about sin or this relationship and blah, blah, blah. It's about bringing heaven to earth and um, just loving people and being a good person. Well, I think that, and, that then we don't feels... want to talk about don't want to talk about sin because then it's not not attractive. Right. And I think that's a that's a big that's a big issue with the third way preachers, right? We found this third way to, to kind of keep our finger in the page, right? If, if you know, you keep your finger in the book of, of orthodoxy, but you're really not saying the words that come out of your mouth are not really doing anything that's orthodox. Um, you know, you really no talking about sin. And when, when you don't talk about sin as being real in a culture that sees no sin. You know, the, I mean, basically today, right, in the United States, right, what's a sin? A sin is the only sin that I could really see today in culture is that I disagree with you. Right, and that's you know, not necessarily a sin. No, if I disagree with you, which could have been, you know, a conversation over you know, a coffee or a beer or whatever it is, right? And then we just agree to disagree. Like, no, you know, like now it's like, if I am not with you, 
I am against you and I'm dead to you. Absolutely. It's very, it's very, it's very static and finite. Yeah, there's no, there's no grace in opinions anymore. No, grace is, I mean, grace is definitely dead in the world. And, and even in, in some of the Christian world, grace is definitely gone by the wayside. And, and I, again, I mean, we could have the theological debate that I don't believe that grace is ours to give, but we can have grace upon one, or we can, I, I should say, we should, we can act graceful um, with one another. But I think the one thing is, right, like we, we need to come before the Lord with humility, right? We need to be humble and we need to have contrite hearts. Mm-hmm. And that is, that is something that doesn't seem to exist anymore. And, and so, you know, even for, regardless of, you know, what side of the political aisle you're on, for lack of a better example, right? But we, it's hard for us to pray for leaders that maybe we didn't vote for or we didn't agree with. You mm-hmm. know, and I think that's what we need to do is we have to pray for this country. We have to pray for our leaders. And we have to pray that those leaders may be guided by God's wisdom and direction. And ultimately, I know but, this borders on that Christian nationalism thing. That's what I, I was about to say. Let's, let's make this controversial. If we're praying for our nation, doesn't that make us Christian nationals? I think to some people, yes. And I say, if we, if we want our, our nation to succeed and not just succeed economically and thrive, but like we want, we want to see God come back into the picture. Are we, are we Christian nationalists? Cause I, I definitely at one point was one that would say yes. Um, And I, I have some issues with, church and state mixing that, you know, a lot of people, especially in my area, um, do not subscribe to, to the point that I get called um, anti-American. But I think, you know, back where you're at, I think me having the opinions I have, but then um, continuing to pray for our nation for a multitude of things, you know, I go from being anti-American to being too American, and I hate everybody else. So, I mean, where do we where do we draw the line, and and I, what prayer should we have? I don't think there's a line necessarily to be drawn, right? Because if you're praying for for healing and restoration, both for for this country, you're right, and even if you drill down to the base level to your your local community your town city uh, your state and then up to the to the nation right if we're praying for the healing and restoration of both of our nation on the world what what is wrong with that i mean it's well, the isn't great that, commission realistically isn't that biblical because doesn't it say if we'll turn our hearts to him then, oh, in, then uh, he'll... in first chronicles yeah so yeah. if we if if we as Christians, turn our hearts to him and continue to pray for our neighbors and continue to pray for our communities and our states and our our country and the leaders that he's put there. Is that Christian nationalism or is that biblical prayer? 
So I would say, uh, so I'll, I'll go out on the limb here. Um, we, we, this has turned into a, a sort of not so much a point counterpoint show. Those were big in the eighties and nineties on cable news, but I'll be the controversial one and say, uh, yes, to both. It is biblical first and foremost. And, and, you know, I will say that based on these things, right. I, I am a Christian nationalist because I want this nation to be one for Christ. Okay, so let me let me throw a wrench into that. Let me throw a wrench into that way of thinking real quick, uh, because I'm right there with you. I would love I would love for this nation to be be one for Christ. I would love for him to be the center and focal point of all of our leaders and for for everybody, right? Because the goal in my heart is for everyone to have that relationship. So that much like it says in scripture that, that God is the same way he would wish that no one would perish. Amen. Right? So what if I'm not just praying for God to win this nation? Right? Like, sure. Like, I'll start here because this is where my home is and this is where my, Absolutely. You know, my it's family. Where you have but, skin in the game. But what if not only am I praying for God to win this nation, but God to win in the Middle East, God to win Asia, God to win in Europe, God to win in South America. Right. Uh, like I, really... I want God to win this continent. Like I want Canada and Mexico and Central America to come to Christ. Like praise God. Like what a glorious day. So, so are we Christian nationalists or are we just Christian globalists? Yeah, Christian uh, globalists, are we faithful Christians praying for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven? Uh, amen, I would say for somebody who's been canceled and had to rebuild from being canceled. I don't know if I'm prepared to wear the Christian globalist moniker, but heck, I'll do it. I'm, I'm a Christian globalist. I mean, I just, I giggle when I hear these guys... And unfortunately, from the pulpit, I hear these women, and they're saying, you know, like, we're getting too political. And Well, here's the thing. You keep your politics out of my religion, but I don't want my religion out of my politics. So, like, so here's – I'll say this to that, right? We, we've avoided politics in the pulpit because we've avoided the culture wars. and We've not wanted to be affiliated with the – the forefathers of the culture wars, like, right. Like men like Jerry Falwell and Pat Robertson, but I got to tell yeah, you, I can avoid them. I will, but I got to tell you the culture, you can't avoid the culture war because the culture war is coming for you. And it may not no, it's hit you. on the door. It may not hit you. It's already in your house, right? It's got your kids. It's got your grandkids. It's got your great grandkids. And it's, it, it, they're already there. So the culture war is in your face and you got to step up to it. And most of the issues, the political issues around the culture war, I'm sorry, those are biblical. Those are biblical issues that have political implications. And that is not Absolutely. bringing politics into the pulpit. No, and I think the saddest part of that is, you know, you're saying it's, you know, it's in your front door. It's in, it's not, like, it's not starting with coming after you and me. It's not starting with coming after our wives and our parents. 
It's coming for our kids. It, and it's a trickle up because they, they'll come for your kids. And if you don't come, if you don't come along for the ride, they're going to take your kids away from you. I mean, it is, we are to the point that I mean, they're in, the schools have not, they're not educating on what needs to be educated, right? I send my kids to school to get a general education on what they need, right? A proper reading, writing, math, science, real science, all of this, right? They won't learn that and, two plus two is four. They'll learn that there's 37 genders. Yeah. And so that's what I'm getting. Like, I, what I don't want is for the school taking my job, right? I should be the one teaching my kids about sex, should be the one teaching my kid about, you know, everything that is involved in that. Like, the school shouldn't be having the talk. Now, if they want to get into the biological parts um, of what's going to happen as their body changes with puberty, as long as it's accurate, I'm all for it. Um, I do have some funny stories about some subbing days. Oh, yeah. That. Yes. Um, uh, that's, a, that's a whole other podcast, though. Um, that's when we go behind the paywall, when we're big That's time. right. That's right. Um but I, what I don't send my kids to school for is for them to sexualize my kids. You know, I don't, I don't need them to, and we may be rabbit holing here, but like, I don't need them to talk about multiple genders. Like there are two. What? Like, there's no need to, well, we just got canceled again. Not I'm going to start keeping a tally, here, start keeping a tally of how many times that we get canceled. Like, why are we talking to grade schoolers about this stuff? Like, we sexualize children way too early. Like, and it's and it's with everything. Look at the clothes that we let them wear. Look at the shows that we let them watch. Mm-hmm. Look at the things that they're teaching them in school. Like, uh, Tara Hogue just went through this this big ordeal with. Um, should the crisis pregnancy center there be teaching the the quote unquote sex ed curriculum when it's you know and, and really they they taught abstinence which was what the state was telling them but required the problem by the was, state was, of Indiana yeah the problem was the crisis pregnancy center was doing it it didn't fit an agenda well in in having some inside baseball into that area the crisis pregnancy pregnancy center was doing it for the school district for free yeah they were paying for the curriculum they didn't have to pay the school district didn't have to pay for a contractor or for curriculum the cpc provided it yeah and so really it cost the community more than more in money and time and everything else when the fit was thrown but like to, to come back to it, like, yes, I'm praying for our nation because I'm, I have legit concern for what's going on from the top down. Now, I start at the bottom because, you know, that's where my family is at this, this micro level. But we need to be praying for the – it's like an onion, right? Prayer is like an onion. There are so many layers to prayer. Really, that, Shrek? That you need to hit. Hey, donkey. 
right? Like, there's so many layers to it that you just start peeling away and then you find something else to play for. And that's good because I think we have to remember, right, that prayer isn't just a one-time thing, right? It's not no, a one-time It's not something event. you do before you go to bed. And I'll tell you what, I'm guilty. Like, there are days that I don't spend as much time in prayer as I need to, and I, I don't pray until I go to bed. And then I'll be in mid-prayer, and then I'll, I'm so wore out, and I just fall asleep. I mean, I got to admit, like, Tucker Carlson's speech at the Heritage Foundation a couple weeks back, um, before he got canned from Fox News, right, when he, he called for everybody should be praying for their nation 10 minutes a day, right? We we need to be praying every day. We need to be praying for our families, for our churches, for our communities, for our country. For You need to be praying for, for whomever is in the Oval Office, whether you voted for them or not, whomever is in your state house, whether you voted for them or or not and we need to be seeking god's direction and god's guidance in everything that we do because there's power in prayer come on amen my guy i you you're, you've sold me <laughs> I've, I've been sold on that for a while but absolutely there is I mean, right, there's power Sorry, in prayer I'm, I'm looking at my notes as you're talking so oh no they're fine there's power in prayer and i i think that I don't think I know that seeking God's guidance and direction in every aspect of our life is important. And prayer, prayer isn't just our, 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 you know, it's not just our way of communicating with God, but it's, it's, it's a way that we align our hearts and our minds with, with the Lord's will. No, absolutely. It is. I'm going to hijack tonight, right? Matthew six. Right. Oh, that's where I'm at. That's where I was going. So if we go to Matthew 6, Jesus teaches us how to pray. And he begins with the words that, you know, regardless of what your tribe or denomination is, you know this prayer. And Jesus begins with our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Um, and I think that we forget, right, that when we come to prayer, we are approaching a holy God. You know, a holy God who deserves our reverence and respect. What uh, what what translation did you just read? Um, off the top of my head, I believe that's probably NIV. It's okay. either NIV so, or ESV. So I've got the Holman Christian up, and it starts off. You know, that's not the official just... SBC Bible anymore. You need the Christian Standard Bible, the CSB. We're looking for sponsorships, man. CSB. If you want to sponsor us, Andy's going to not use the Holman Christian anymore and just use the straight CSB. Okay, but for right now, I'm going to because it's what I have in front of me. I'm just breaking your jobs. <laughs> uh, but pray like this. Our Father in heaven, your name be honored and holy. Mm, and so that's a good I like, word. I like this version better than yeah. – we're, we're saying the same thing, let's be honest. Absolutely. But I think this hits because how often in our life is God's name honored and holy. Right, and that and we should be, because that should remind us that that we have a, a relationship with him, right? He's we have a relationship with him as our heavenly father, and he loves us and he cares for us. Right. And I'm not people who are listening are 
our tens and tens of people that are listening. I don't know. Our, our, our downloads have been up. Hey, shout out to Keith. He's doing a good job being our hype man. Dude, he that he dude, is yeah. the flavor flave of the hillbilly and the hipster. <laughs> I've got I've got so many jokes for that, but that's for another podcast as well. That's definitely behind the paywall. But I mean, let's think. I, I'm not just talking to the people who are listening and the people that that Keith is somehow conning into listening to the show. <laughs> I think I'm he's paying. To- I think he's paying them. Hey, I won't keep it up. Um, but I'm talking to me and you as well. Like, I Amen. look at my life, and there are so many times that I'll get home, and I'm like, and this is where, you know, I, I low-key buy into total depravity. Because it's like, man, I, I was a scumbag today. Nothing about my life today reflected the goodness of God. Mm-hmm. Right? Sometimes I think, God looks at me much like I may or may not have said to someone today and be like, Andy, do you think I'm stupid? (laughs) God's just like, Andy, when you look at me, do you you see someone who's stupid? Do you not think that I know what you're doing? Right? And so the very first line, you know, your name be honored and as holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So right, so we're 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 admitting to God who He is, and we're praying, not our will, like much like Jesus prayed, right? Not my will, but Your will. Yeah, right. Because we have to you know? seek His will, and not just seek His will, but if we're praying that to seek His will, we have to we have to follow His plan for our lives, and we have to remember that that God has a plan for our lives, but we have to remember that God's ultimate plan. Here we go, Christian nationalism. God's ultimate plan is to establish his kingdom on earth and to bring about his perfect will. Absolutely it is. And sometimes, and by sometimes I mean a lot of times, his will isn't Andy's will. No. Like what God wants to happen is not what Andy wants. It's never what Chad wants, or it's what Chad needs, it's what Andy needs. It's never really what we want. Right, and then comes the part to where we're really good, right? When it comes to prayer, we're really good at asking for stuff, right? Give oh, us sure. today our daily bread, and forgive us of our debts, as we forgive those uh, who owe us. Right. Uh, right. So, like, but if we look at it, like, this isn't saying, "Hey, if you could give me a brand new car and a bigger house and this." Like we're asking but for daily but sometimes bread. it is. That's what we pray for. No, that's right? what I'm saying. Like that's yeah. that we bastardized it, bastardized it. Uh, yes. because we do that's the right we, word. We, look at that, Mia Copa. Um that's the word for today, bastardized. Um but yeah, no, we pray for the, the fancy cars and the extra money. But if you look at this, like give us today our daily bread, just meet our needs. Mm-hmm. Because we should be praying for our daily provisions and the forgiveness of our sins every time we pray because we we depend on God for everything, right? We depend on yeah, God oh, absolutely. for all of our needs and, and not just our physical nourishment, but for our spiritual nourishment and, and confession. Go ahead. Sorry. No, no, go on because I was going to go to the next line. So you go oh, I was going to say confession and repentance. Right, those are those are critical. 
those are vital to maintain a close relationship with the Lord. So, but then if you go down to the end of verse 12, as we also forgive our debtors, if we're going to ask for forgiveness, we dang sure better be willing to give it. And I can mm. tell you that right now, that is somewhat, and it's not every relationship, but I have a few relationships that, man, I struggle with that. Mm. And bring us not in, in 13, and bring us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Because spiritual warfare is real. Oh, it absolutely is. I mean, look at our country. Right. Spiritual <laughs> warfare is real. And and, and you're, that's a great example, right? Look at our country. And, and so we cannot let our guard down, right? We need to we need to stay alert. We need to be alert and vigilant against the, the attacks of the enemy. But at the same time, remember that, that God, God, the power of God will protect us and deliver us from, from all forms of evil. Will it be pretty? Will it be perfect? I mean, perfect for his will, yes, but perfect for what we need, what we think we need at the time? Maybe not. It's not saying that we're not going to go through the mud, but it's saying he's going to be there to drag us through. Amen. One of my favorite gospel songs, um, the Crab Family sings it. I can't think of his first name, which, shout out to them, um, they're from my hometown. Um, but the the song, the main line is is because you know we're told to carry our cross daily, um, and it says he never promised that the cross wouldn't get heavy or the hill wouldn't be hard to climb, mm. but he always but he does promise that he'll always be there to help us in time, and that's a paraphrase of the actual, mm. but I, that sticks with me always when I'm like, man, this sucks. How am I going to get through this? Like right now, there's some stuff in our family that's going on, in my family that's going on that we're all pretty down about. And it's like, how are we going to get through this, right? And then there's work stuff, and there's this, and there's that. Um, and then I remember, you know, he didn't promise that this was going to be easy. And the people that, that throw the phrase out, well, he'll never give you more than you can handle, uh, that is a false statement that is never in the Bible. He most in fact will give you more than he can, you can handle. Uh, uh because he wants you the to last, learn to rely on him. The last four years of my life were a living example of that, man. Oh, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, he will give you more than you can handle because he doesn't want you to handle it. He wants you to let him handle it. My charge to you, brother, my charge to me, my, my charge to every brother and sister who we're thankful that you download this and listen to this is to commit ourselves to prayer. Not just today, because it's set aside for prayer, not just one day, but every single day. And focus, you know, focus on, on, on these things we've talked about and, and commit ourselves to, to truly seeking God's will and God's direction for our lives, for our families, and for our nation. And, and I urge you, like, I, I'm guilty of this, right? I, I need to pray I need to pray better for our leaders. I need to be, pray for, for leaders at the national level. I need to pray for the leaders down at, at Colfax Avenue and Broadway here in Denver who are, are seem, in my own opinion, right? Like I, dis, I dislike everything that they're doing out of there, but I'm not praying for them, right? We need to pray for our leaders, our communities, our families, that they're going to be guided, that they will be guided by God's wisdom and love. 
and pray, you know, pray for the salvation of those who don't yet know Christ, like the, the young man I've been ministering to. And I know you've got folks in your life, right? Pray everybody who listens to this. You have people in your life who don't know the Lord. And so pray for their salvation, that they will come to a saving knowledge of the Lord. And whether Absolutely. that's through your own testimony, through your own giving the gospel, or maybe they're at Winter Jam or one of Greg Laurie's, you know, Harvest Crusades, whatever it is that the Lord uses in their lives to bring them to Christ, pray. Absolutely. And, and I used to tell my kids, uh, my youth group kids, I just refer to them as my kids. Uh, but I used to tell my kids, like, because they would tell me, Randy, I don't know how to pray. Mm. I, I, I don't know how to pray. And so this is, this is I'm, I'm going to go two ways with this. One, do you know how to talk to somebody? Prayer is a conversation, right? It's a conversation between you and the Lord. You cannot monopolize, monopolize all the time. If it is, dear God, thanks for this, thanks for this. Hey, give me this, give me that, give me this, give me that. Hey, I love you, bye. Right? That's not a prayer. That's a list of demands. Uh, and uh, God doesn't negotiate with payers. It's well, it's the grocery list. Like for most of us, right? We're we're, we're rattling off a grocery list to the Lord. Right. And so you gotta you gotta leave time for response, but it's a conversation, right? Like I will be sitting in my office and I will just go through this prayer where I, it's like I'm almost talking to you because I think. And maybe I'm wrong, but this is my opinion, and this is how I've taught it. Um, I'll, I, there's reverence in my prayer. Don't hear what I'm not saying. Um, but I talk to God like I would talk to you. Absolutely. Right? Because, you know, we're supposed to come with reverence, but we're also like, that's our father. And if I can't go to my dad... And there are times that I'm angry and I'm upset and I don't know what to do. If I can't go to my dad and be like, dad, what are we doing? This is stupid. Why is mm. this happening? I'll tell you this. Then, somebody shared, somebody told me this once. You, you made me think of this. He said that to him, the most honest prayer. And at first I was taken aback by it, but it makes sense because God can take this because we are not stronger than him. And he said that there are times he prays to the Lord, God, what the F? Oh, absolutely. And that seems like, weird. Know. It seems harsh, but yeah. it's honest. Yeah. I mean, there are times that things happen. I'm just like, God, what in the actual hell is going on here? Mm -hmm. right? We have these lamentful prayers, and we forget that that's okay. God's given us these emotions. I have students that are like, I'm so mad at God. Okay, let's work through that. It's okay. He can take mad. it. Yeah, he can take it. I remember when, when, when Memel died, I can just remember screaming at him. You know, why would this happen? And God can take that. It's a, He's given us these emotions. Mm. Now, we need to learn to control them and deal with them. Um, and when Dr. Wife hears me say that, she's going to giggle. <laughs> because mm -hmm. maybe I don't do that all the time real well. But that's neither here nor there. But also, like, not only is it a conversation and you can talk to him like you can talk to anybody else. But the scripture we just read is Matthew six and it starts in verse nine. Right. Mm -hmm. I would if I were you, I'd read the whole chapter starting at verse five. And it goes nine through roughly uh, 
Pepin. Pepin. Yeah. So read that, and that that's how you structure a prayer. You don't have to pray those exact words, like because that's just not how we talk. Like I don't. Like, no, hey, absolutely. God, give, me, give me my daily bread. Really, it's like give me my daily biscuit with bacon on it. I or, think at a simple <laughs> level, at a simple level, right? The acts, the acts acronym, right? So it's like adoration. You give all that that adoration to Lord. You confess. It's adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. And supplication is just that fancy Christianese word for pray for people. Pray for somebody. Yeah. Chad, can you supplicate for me today? <laughs> right. <laughs> well, and, and, and it's, this is a struggle, right? It's a struggle for me. I think it's a struggle for a lot of believers to make prayer a regular part of your daily life. Now, oh, I'm, absolutely I'm, I'm better because I, I, I have a lot of conversations with the Lord, but I, I, I really encourage everybody, right? Make prayer a regular part of your daily life, whether whether it's by yourself, whether it's with a group, whether it's praying with your family. Make prayer a priority in your life. It will change your life. And and remember, because remember that, that God is faithful and he hears our prayers. Absolutely. You will definitely see changes in your life, see changes in the things around you. Mm. If your prayer life is, is healthy. Now, I'm not saying that the enemy isn't going to attack you because, let's be, face it, if you don't feel like the enemy is coming after you, uh, that's an issue. Yeah. Right? If, he, if you don't feel like he's coming after you, that means he already has you. And let's, let's fix that. Right? But not everything is going to be bad or good when your prayer life is good because the enemy is going to come. But again, it goes back. Like he never promised that it was going to be easy. He just promises that he's going to get us through it. Amen. And, and I think, it and so he that. can't get you through it. He can't get you through it if you're not praying. No, and and John the Revelator right says in First John five, in verses fourteen and fifteen. By the way, <laughs> this is the confidence we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. Absolutely. Well, Andy, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you if I can do something we don't we haven't done normally, but I think it's okay since we're talking about prayer. But can I pray for us as we close All right, out? Let's go. All right. Let's do we'll just this will be our final word. That's right. Let's do this. Um, gracious God, Lord, we, we come before you on this today, this national day of prayer, and we are humbled by your grace and your goodness. And we know that your ear is attentive to the cries of your people. And we lift up our hearts to you in prayer. So Lord, we remember the words of James who reminds us of the power of prayer. We know that, that through prayer, we can come into your presence and receive the strength and guidance we need to face the challenges of life. And on this day, we pray for our nation and our leaders. We ask that you would guide and direct them and that they would seek your wisdom and understanding. We pray for unity and peace in our country and for the resolution of the challenges that we face. We lift up those who are sick and suffering, asking for your healing power to be upon them. We pray for those who are grieving, that you would comfort them with your love and peace. 
We also pray for those who are struggling with addiction, depression, and anxiety, and that you would provide them with the strength and courage to overcome. Father, we know that you are a God who hears and answers prayer. We trust in your goodness and faithfulness, and we offer these prayers to you in faith. May our prayers be pleasing to you, O Lord, and may your name be praised now and forevermore. And in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. I got to kick the Southern Baptists in there a little bit. Come on. <laughs> well, Andy, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close with this. I'm going to ask you this question. What's been giving you hope? I think the generic answer would be Jesus. <laughs> um, the Sunday school answer. But no, I think the the fact that I'm starting to, to forge some relationships here um, oh. with people both within the church and with that with on the outside walls. Um, you know, we have a mutual friend who um, we're both really trying to disciple and witness to, in hopes that he he comes and and makes a profession. Um, you know, we he. He claims to be a follower, but there's really no fruit of that. Uh, this is the best way to describe it. And so we're we're both working with him, and um, it's been real encouraging to see the the strides that he's made, um, and and the things that he's picking up on. And so that really has has given me a lot of hope over the last couple of weeks. Amen. It's good stuff. Landy, well, remember. How can folks reach out to us if they want to? Do you not even know? Can they hit us up on the Gmail? I cannot say any right now. Yeah, you can. Well, first of all, we're on the Bird app at, yeah. at Hill Hipster Pod. And you can email us at Gmail or on Gmail at hillhipsterpod.com. At gmail.com. Oh my goodness. It, there's no dot. It is hillhipsterpod at gmail.com. <laughs> what? That's not even that's not even my line. That isn't my job in the show to remind people where to find this. You just like throwing me a curveball and the fact that I am an idiot. That is I'll your mix, favorite part. I'm mixing it up. It's, it's so I can get new cuts for theme music. <laughs> Where's the start stop record button? What are we doing? But if you want to reach out to us, um, however you feel about the National Day of Prayer or prayer in general, um, we are on Twitter at HillHipsterPod. Uh, you can always email us at HillHipsterPod at gmail.com. I, I encourage you to reach out and, and just check out the fine folks at San Galgano Armory. They are on Twitter and Instagram. Their handle is at San Galgano. And check out their shop at Etsy.com slash shop slash San Galgano Armory. Um, I do believe they're going to have their own website soon. But uh, again, it's etsy.com slash shop slash St. Gagano Armory. Last word, Andy. It's all yours. I'm going to bed. I'm old. Amen. Amen. Good night. I'm going to Love huddle you guys. Be blessed. Be good. Later. And Where's the record button to stop it? <laughs>